so nice, so that's what I like. Is that I say the hip hop, you just don't stop it and just get ready to jam. With Disco Daddy, wide world of hip hop radio show. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, only on VibeLive.com with special guests every week. Don't miss it. <laughs> Hello out there, Disco Daddy here, reminding you that you're listening to the inaugural broadcast of Disco Daddy's wide world of hip-hop and R&B. We have one of our special, special icons, West Coast and hip-hop period worldwide. He's known uh, as a pioneer, an original, okay, and probably one of the most iconic figures in hip-hop, in all of hip-hop. His name is Kid Floyd. Uh, Arturo, OG Kid Frost Molina, uh, and I hope I pronounced it right, okay? He's our special guest today, and this is a special two-hour broadcast because uh, we could not really cover this man's life with justice in just one hour. So uh, we're going to extend the program just to get his story down. He's got an incredible story, fantastic uh, when you think about it, uh, coming from where he came from and rallying against the forces that he rallied, had to rally against him, just to make a name for himself in hip hop. We call him OG Kid Frost, and he's on the line. Uh, how you doing today, my brother? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How you feeling, Big Daddy? How's everything I'm, I'm going doing, I'm doing fine, man. To get you on my show is an honor. It's a blessing. You know, I've been trying for a year <laughs> to get this sit-down interview with you, and we're going to make the most of it. A kid for us on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop and R and B. Now, we want you to start at the beginning, uh, where you were born, uh, how you grew up, even before you got into hip hop, even before that came along, uh, where you came from in uh, in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, basically just tell us how it was going to school in your early life, please. Kid Frost, you got the floor. Oh, I I was born in 1962, man. Los Angeles General Hospital, which is Los Angeles Memorial Hospital now. Um, and I, at that already origin of, of my life, my father was already an accomplished musician. He was already playing everywhere. I mean, he was he was playing with the Johnny Galinda Orchestra. He was playing with Terry Jacks. He was playing with yeah. the Midnight. So he actually was out there. He could pick up any instrument. And he always deterred us from the streets by using music. And so there was always a prevalent thing of music. During that time, my father and my mother separated, and she got married to my stepfather, which was in the military. And huh. abruptly, as fast as my life in Los Angeles started, it came to an, where I had to actually go, and I was... Uh, introduced to being a military dependent and living on military bases my whole life. And my dad was already, that's where I was exposed to diverse cultures of music. And pretty much that's where I really honed my skills as not knowing that I was going to be an MC, but actually visually getting to see the birth and the origin of, of, of rap as it, as the evolution of it came because I was blessed to be living on military bases during that time. And mm-hmm. at military bases, you know, Daddy, there's there's young youngsters living from all over the world. And, and all over, yeah. 
is from Harlem and and, and Brooklyn, and there, some mm-hmm. of their parents were on the military base, so we were introduced to hip hop at a very, very way faster than a lot of people that in Chicano rap or who are in West Coast hip hop now. They, uh, I was way advanced and way ahead of that whole hip hop scene because I you know what I want to the light. I want to pause you right there because that's one of the most interesting aspects of anybody that I've ever interviewed. You picked up hip hop through your interaction with other youngsters at military bases who were coming from all over. So I can see where you would get it first as far as exposure. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's pretty interesting. Exactly, and that's why if you listen to the early origin of Kid Frost, you'll see that a lot of my stuff was real East Coast derived. Even the first early mixes of the stuff that we had sent through K Day up there with unknown DJ and all that in the early K Day days, DJ Red Alert was actually actually one of the first people to actually play my record out there in New York on WBLS. Wow. Wow. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. But in the meantime, you you hit these military bases, you get exposed to hip hop. Now what facets of hip hop were you exposed to first? Was it the rapping? Was it break dancing, B boying? What 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 did you get uh, exposed to first? I got exposed to rapping first. I got it, and we were in military academy, and how I got exposed to it was that in the night when we had our lax time, everybody would shine their boots. We had an open quad in the barracks. <laughs> so in the middle of the barracks, there was this there was this guy, and his name was his name was Sloan. He was Private Sloan. His, he was huh. in the army, and he had a little ghetto blaster right there, and he had a little mic mic hooked up to it. And he mm-hmm. and this is the first introduction of of what I would hear of what I knew as hip hop. And he would be like, "What's up, everybody? Gather round. I'm the one that's gonna lay down sound. I'm the one that comes <laughs> from the wood. You shine in your shoes, and that's how it works. I'm not. And that was my birth origin of getting into wow. hip hop. What year? What year is this, Ross? That we talking? What year is that that happened? And this is 1978. Bro, nineteen the end of nineteen seventy seven. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's actually, way back in the actually got signed into the army by my parents at, and they signed me in actually and they actually signed me in at a, a early age at seventeen and I at seventeen I your parents can do that, yes. And yes, then I got really oh, there was a there was a guy that was a sergeant at that time and his name was Perkins and he uh-huh. was the day of the NCO club and that's when I first really every and even back then the sar the, the people that were in the military the different sergeants and, and that that were from New York that were from Harlem and from Brooklyn uh-huh. and stuff like that they would they would take off their greens, their military clothes, and they would go put on fly, fly. Like, I didn't know back then. You know, the bell, and they come out there, right. and everyone, Perkins was just, everyone there. I didn't know that this was, like, what my first introduction or what an open mic was or actually doing freestyling and actually uh, I was exposed to it at a very, very, very... Wow. 
very alert age too because I'm in the military during that time. And so, like I said, man, there's there was every walk of life. We and we didn't discriminate right. with our in our, in our starting company that we were. I was uh, I, in my in my military. I was a Delta, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually getting and then that's when we see the locker. Uh, and then the first of the first New York style city break, you know, being right. around right. The floor floor work and all that stuff. And so I was, I got to see it before everybody else really got to see it, and unless they were part of that um, military base boot camp in you know Fort Bliss, Texas. Right during that time period, I got you. Yeah, just that time period of the birth of, and then I want to say maybe right after the eight weeks of boot camp in AIT on Steve Crosno's show on 103.9, I think, in El Paso, Texas, that's when Rapper's Delight just, that record was just off the chain. I mean, we, and then we were at the Go ahead. I remember. I remember the influence it had. That that record has influenced everybody that I've talked to uh, when it when it came out. Oh yeah, man. If you didn't, and I mean, man, that was probably that was probably. I mean, because you got to realize, man, anybody in Southern California, if they say they were really raised off of rap and all that, they can't really they can't really come at us that way to really say that because. If you were you were on radio in Southern California and you did your radio in Southern California, you actually were on. Uh, you actually listened and were raised off of, off of classic rock. You know what I mean? Because classic rock right, is really right. the most prevalent stations. I mean, we had a a fifteen eighty a fifteen eighty K day station, but that didn't come out until the early eighties. You know what I mean? The eighties, right? Before that, it was yeah, just KDFD. So then we stuck up for me went into the military and the army. So then I I do my I do my time in my my little I do my little my little stint and I see the birth I see the origin and the birth of hip hop rap and graffiti and the whole arts and all that coming to life so 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 big at that time. But there's no money in that game at that time. So I get out the military and I start I go in East LA. Um, we started. I took some of the money that I got got out, and sad to say, I didn't do the best things with it. I bought a, I bought mm-hmm. a pound of some fresh, some really fresh meat, <laughs> and, and I set up shop. Man, I started. Right. I started hanging, man. And we were at the, you know, the one finger and the two finger lids, you know. Right. I remember those days. <laughs> the four finger lid was the zip, you know, and it's funny how we yes, measured sir. our our blood and fingers, you know what I mean, back then. Yeah. So, if you think about it, that's probably the way early humans measured stuff anyway before we wrote down numbers. So, it's probably the oh, most primitive yeah. way of measuring something. <laughs> I think that's how they yeah. measure portions of food in your. That's how how real doctors measure the portions of food you're supposed to eat are supposed to be set in there the you go. palm of your hand. You're not supposed to really eat. You know, there you go. anymore. That's why gorillas. <laughs> so you gorillas you're in the military. You're getting out. And did you return to Los Angeles? Did you return after you got out the military? I returned to Los Angeles by way of. Oakland and Frisco, because I I got released. And my pops at that time he's living in Santa Rosa, 
So I uh-huh. take the Greyhound bus. I take the Greyhound bus, and I from El Paso, Texas, and I and I and I actually and I actually hit Oakland. When I get to Oakland, the Fruitsburg Bell and East 14th, I'm walking up right there. I don't know if you've ever been in the Greyhound station right there in Oakland, and they have them big no. upstairs leading to the bathroom. They had a big Ben Davis painted on the wall. I'll never forget. I got up there to the top of the steps up there, and five Red Rag Northaniels from Frisco from the Mission District go up there, and Wally whooped up fuck out my ass, Big Daddy. They blamed me. I was from Why? L.A. and just there. Oh, wow. In Los Angeles, California, and, and we're in there. Wow. And I, had those, I had those army shoes on, the, the Oxfords, the ones in, we're in a tile floor inside of the bathroom, and I'm trying to take off and take flight and hit back and swing, wow. and I'm sliding slipping and sliding in the Moxford shoes on that tile floor from the water and everything in that bathroom, I didn't have a wow. fighting chance. I get back on that Greyhound bus, and uh, I head out to Santa Rosa, man. My pops picks me up. He sees me bloodied and beat the shit up. This girl, Damn. man, that sees me on the back of the bus bleeding and all that, she goes out there, and I don't know what she saw me immediately like that, but she... And she just takes a liking to me on this bus. She was riding uh-huh. it all the way to Washington. She gets off right there in Santa Rosa, and she's like, man, you need my help. You got beat up bad, bad, bad. I got, I got, man, I had lumps, and I got really got the shit beat out of me, bro. I'm going to kick times by these dudes. And I, uh, so they, they stole everything. They took everything I had. They took my military bag, my duffel bag. All my shit. So any proof of anything that I had of the pictures and the stuff right. from the army that I got were gone, bro. I mean, we're gone. If they knew, what year? What year did this happen for us? This happened in nineteen. I want to say the the summer of nineteen seventy nine. Man, it's gonna be nineteen eighty. Wow, wow, it's that's gonna be the trip. It's nineteen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a trip. Wow. And so I, so man, my, I'm, I'm. This is my bitter taste of the bay, and I, I ain't having it. I immediately, right. I, I'm, man, and it doesn't take me more than maybe one week to get in trouble and get caught up out there, man. And I'm, I get caught on a weapons violation. I get, I get into some shit, but at that same time, Sonoma County Sheriff's. My uncle, he's a homicide detective, Carlos Barsuto, mm-hmm. but he's, I mean, he passed away now, but, so we can say about right. that, but he, I mean, he was one of them Rampart Division cops, you know, as crooked as okay. they come. <laughs> and I, I'm not ashamed to say whatever he did during that time, but he's a homicide detective, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. At the same time, my family, they husband, we impeccable husband, so we out there, you know, anybody can spell husband, but spell entrepreneur. We out there getting it, trying to do everything we can to be in real solid businesses that actually do, you know, constructive business. So it don't work out right there in Frisco for me, man. I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting in things. So, man, we go to, I go to this dude, man. I don't want to say his name. His initials HM. We uh-huh. go to his house, man, and this dude's an older man, older than us, and 
we kind of do the training day thing, man. We This old man's in a position. He's got all the farm. He owns this thing in Chalk Hill Road. He owns all the plantation and the herb and everything. We're, we're ah. working like little hands hustling to pack them. And the minute that he's going to harvest and grab this shit, I grab I grab 10 packs of it, and I fucking get on the Greyhound bus, and I head back to L.A. <laughs> and during that time of that era, man, it's like you don't want to part with your packs because you, I had to shuffle everything underneath the Greyhound. Right. Well, I'm like right there, bro, and I'm at that time I'm a youngster, bro, and I'm like, I'm, but I'm watching my, I'm watching the packs, bro. So we get them right. back to L.A. My first thing is to go. My grandma lets me go to her house and set up shop when people are there right there in East Los off of Whittier Boulevard. So I start trapping right there, man. I, and you know, it's, it's not even called trapping back then. We're already we're right. already trapping. We're setting up traps, and so right. we're, we're getting in, man. We're, I'm getting I'm flipping that money over. So this dude who's the DJ from this from this Capacity Inc. dude comes out and he on he wants a. Uh, he wants me to front him a quarter pound of some bomb ass, you know, some Indo back then, because we had it, man, from up there. It was the firefighter wow. from the bay. Right. Back then, they right. had that Indo. You know? So we go up there, right. we bring that, we bring it back. I set up shop. This dude asked me to front him. He's a DJ. So, man, I don't hear from him for a week. I'm cool. Like, all right, cool, man. You said you're going to come back in a few days. You, you, you said you're moving this shit. You know, let's go, right. man, get these... We break, we're going to break everything in these dubs and we're going to get it. So another week goes by, nothing. And this is my birth now where I'm going to go into music. Another week goes by. So this DJ, wow. he's, I see his name on flyers everywhere. I see his shit on flyers. I'm like, man, it's the disco era of the disco DJs and all that. Uh, and then... Uh, when he when he gets into the era of the of the DJs, yeah. Uh, there was no there was no hip hop going on at this time in the, in that yeah, county though, it's right? Not, it's not no hip hop. It's disco shit. Right. It's these it's, it's, right. it's these disco DJs with the pompadours and you remember that era in LA with the yeah, that's artists. where I'm from. Seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah, like the seventy nine. Yeah. Eighty nine, ninety, the Aquanet era of everybody in Aquanet. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a little bit later for me, but I do remember. Okay. So then, so then, this guy owes me for my, this money, man. At that time, so I'm like, bro, you're not, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't paid me. So his mom's there at the house right there in Montebello. Hey, I'm, I just pulled up, bro. I'm right here. You in the bar? Yeah, yeah. I might be in right there. Call him again. Yo, yo. Hey, so look, so this was that. Sorry about uh-huh. that, man. I'm a little That's bit okay. multitasking. Not a lot, but I'm. So look, so look. <laughs> we get, we get in there. This dude owes me money, bro. So his mom. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just pulled up, bro. I just parked up right here. I'm in the BMW. You right there in the restaurant? Where you at? <laughs> Tim Foss is out on the town, yo. No, no, no. <laughs> You're listening to right. an icon. Lead up to what I'm doing right now, man. I'm taking over a greenhouse with seven greenhouses in it, man, to start cultivating, bro, for this new recreational in L.A. I'm wow. Doing, man. I'm, okay. 
I'm running, I'm running, a, I'm running some Fortune 500 companies right now with this cannabis industry, bro. Millionaires. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get up into what you're doing, what your current activities are. We really hate to sit in this history that you've been laying out for us, though, Kid Frost. All right, so look, so look, this cat has some capacity. His name's Dennis. I'm on, D, I'm on D. They call him D. I'm on D. Look, mm-hmm. man. I let you go a month almost, man. You haven't paid me back for my system. I, I I know you're a DJ, bro, and I see you on these flyers. You're not taking your system out only when you book. I said, here's how it's going to go, bro. And my boy's already hmm. loading up his equipment in the back of his truck. And we take it. <laughs> we take it. So, so then, okay. so then we ain't, ain't, I already know what I know in hip-hop, bro. Like, I already know what's cracking. And then... Right. Uh, Mom, text him and say that Kid Frost that I'm doing that. Because I think he keeps hanging up. Did he say he's mm-hmm. in there? He's asking. Yeah, because we don't know you. So text him and say this is for Kid Frost. Man, my lady. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, before you interrupt your story, when and how did you adopt the name Kid Frost? Where did that come from? From my, It came from my teeth. It came from my oh, no kidding. I didn't have a I didn't have an album when they when I went to the radio Tron the first time, they everybody was calling me Kid Gemini. I and mm. I, that was my I was Gemini before I was even I was a Gemini, I didn't really have a name for my shit, so I called myself Gemini. Okay, then, I'm taking you I'm taking you ahead of yourself because you gotta finish the story you was telling us about the guy to owe you money because well, obviously that must lead to where you end up getting involved and getting to the radio time. But right now you're in a whole nother lifestyle. So wrap that up for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hold on one second, Disco Daddy. Go ahead, go uh, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You guys are listening to the iconic Kid Frost on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop and R and B. We're honored to have him as a guest. It's a special two hour show. And he's handling this business and he's laying down a hell of a history for it. Please help me. I'm gonna drive off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're here, kid. So here we go. Like I said, you don't want to give me the sound system, uh, and I mean you don't want to give me the money for it. And then I'm I'm now I'm charging a hundred and I'm charging a hundred and fifty dollars month interest, and this equipment sitting in a back room, and we're trapping, we're getting our money off the herb game. We ain't even tripping. One day, New Year's party on a whimsical, one of our cousins comes up and he says he's a DJ. I'm a DJ. And I'm like, we got a system right here. You don't need nothing. So he's like, oh, I don't got no needles. It needs Stanton 500 cartridges. It needs some shit right here. And these, it needs these quarter wow. RCA plugs. You need RCA plugs. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. He goes, I'll go to radio <laughs> and I'll get this thing going in 20 minutes. And I said, wow. What? And he's like, yeah. So then... That's the first thing he does. He goes to Radio Shack. He comes back, mm-hmm. and my boy, the next thing you know, we're born as fucking DJs and MCs. We, <laughs> we, set, up a, we set up the sound system in the backyard, and, uh-huh. and I went and we went and came back, and we didn't even have a microphone. My boy was like, put the headphone on. It'll turn into a mic, and that's how we first started. <laughs> and, then, wow. and then the first thing, the first thing that came to my head was Sloan shining his shoes at the army base saying what's up everybody come gather around listening to my brand new sound i'm the one to be throwing it down and then 
by then it was the rap your own version with wow. the superhero shit and all that. So mm-hmm. so then we mm-hmm. so then we're like we're b boys now. We're standing out, out there at my grandma's <laughs> house. At the front. We got stripes on our shoes, bandanas around our ankles. Everybody's talking uh, and breaking. Everybody's claiming a street in New York that they've never seen or been to. And, and we're putting elastic and we're shooting we seen we seen the homies with the we seen the homies with the what you call it with the thick ass fucking uh fast shoelaces in New York. So we thought right, those right. were elastic. We thought that was elastic. So we went to the thing clothing store and we put that stretchy elastic and made our shoes look like those fat laces and shit, bro. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> next thing you know, man, we're next thing you know, we're killing the game, man. Right, right. I hear you. I can, I can visualize all of that too, Frost. You know what I'm saying? You got serious with it. <laughs> and so yeah. you were known, you were calling yourself at that time what? Gemini. The name Pete. Gemini, okay. Yeah. And this is and nineteen this is what, nineteen eighty? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, nah, I, I want yeah, nine, I wanna say yeah, nineteen eighty eighty, nineteen eighty one. Uh-huh birth of okay. it and then we come out we come out with that and we live in the dead end right there in pico rivera so our crew's the mm. dead end boys we're in the dead end wow okay and we, and we had the cul-de-sac right there with the the turnaround so at that time it was opened up so you can actually mm-hmm. hold on mm-hmm. so you could actually open it up you gonna go run run some errands and go to the house and all that? Okay. Huh? All right. Yeah. All right. So cool. So then, so then, it's our first little, it's our first little backyard party thing that we're gonna go get down and do, right? Wow. Mhm. So we we start we start setting up shop. We start getting ready to go and we start getting ready to put it down big time. And and we don't we don't anticipate our first our first backyard party, but at our first backyard party, the two East LA gangs decide that they're gonna have a shootout. So wow. we, our first first party doesn't go off so so well as planned because wow. one of our little homies that was at that time he was only in eighth grade. We found mm-hmm. out that he was the youngster that they put on to put, start putting in work, and that that boy literally he literally came back and he uh, he started he started uh, he's the one that started the trouble and started shooting. So when we go okay. back and go find out, they're like Torpy did it, Torpy did it, and that's wow. my little homie Torpedo, and we his wow. nickname was Torpy, but everybody's like Torpy, Torpy. And I'm like, mm. but I know who they're talk- I know who they're talking about. So we right. hide him in the back. We hide him in the back of the club. The wow. first rapper, the first rapper, which we all know and love in the game. After that, who came up to me with tears in his eyes, almost shaking in his boots from head to toe, saying, "Get me home." I've never came out of the East L.A. to be involved in something like this, and I didn't know you guys were this crazy. Big Daddy, who's the rapper I'm talking about? None other than, none other than 
Been spending most our lives living in the gangster's paradise. It was Coolio and the sound master wow. crew with Billy Boy and Spoonie C. My first hip hop wow. party that I even put down, I had I had the sound master crew with Billy Boy and them, Spoonie C and them, at, doing my doing my show with me. Wow, that's a trip, Coolio. Coolio, yep. Wow. Way, way before their origin and the birth of all of us, we were already right. doing yeah. the little shows and doing the little things, and I was already was he, rap- was he rapping at that time? Yes, sir, he was, bro, with a group okay. called the Soundmaster Crew with Billy Boy and Spoonie C. They had a dope-ass uh, little, little group. Okay. They, were in the area, okay. they were in the same era of the Knights of the Turntable and all of that, bro. Oh, okay, okay. So, so what year is this that this happened? The shootout. Say that again, Big Daddy. What 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 year was this that this happened? The shootout at the party. That's your first party. 19, what year was that? Nineteen eighty-two. Nineteen eighty-two. Coolio. Is <laughs> it three thousand? But it was a little bit too dramatic. Okay. Did anybody get killed, or was now, it now, just now, uh, this now, if you really look at, now, if you really listen to this part of it, um, B, if you really listen to mm-hmm. this part of it, that's eight mm-hmm. years before La Raza. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. The very beginning of, of Kid Frost's career. Okay. It still wasn't Kid Frost then. This happened while he was still Gemini. Okay. Right after that, I go in the studio with Peebo and then with David Stores with Ice Tea's people, and I record Rough Cut. Mm-hmm. When did you meet? When did you meet Ice Tea? And and then you can tell us the story again of how he gave you that name, Kid Frost. Because I never knew that. I thought that was your own invention. I met Ice T in 1980, 1983. Hey, what you mm-hmm. about? Uh, uh, Were you already going to the Radiotron? Or did you know about the Radiotron? Yeah, yeah, did you meet him there? And I was already, I was hustling and selling dimes and dubs at the Radiotron. Okay. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. I believe that, that was it. You had to live. I hear you. And then, at so the, the the, at that time, the at that time, the dancer animation lived upstairs of the Radiotron. Rest in peace, remember wow. animation? Yes, yes, Mr. Animation, of course. Respect, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now tell so, us, but my listeners, you and I, you and I know about the Radiotron for us, but tell our listeners what the Radiotron was. Yeah, we got to know it. Back then, it wasn't even called the Radiotron. It was actually it was called Club Radio. Radio. Well, tell us how important and what was going on there. What was it? What was it about? Radiotron was a place where everybody in downtown LA had an outlet to go pop and break. Break dancing was barely. Okay. Starting, but pop locking, West Coast pop locking had more of a niche and a and a and a, and a notch. So, what happened was right. is that one night Hollywood people came to meet Ice T over there, and mm-hmm. every time Ice T brought, every time that it, that happened, even though we only had a, I got it, I got it, and let me get a, um, let me get a, uh, you got Modelo Especial, Modelo. No? Uh, I want to get a, a I want a chela with a, with a light. Is that good for a chela? To make a chelada? 
You're listening to Kid Frost on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop and R and B. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I'm ordering a beer since mm-hmm. we're having this interview, man, with Big Daddy. Nay, no problem, no problem, my brother. We're getting some fascinating history from uh, Kid Frost. He's telling us about the Radiotron, the club radio before it was the Radiotron, right. which was the club. At that time, Ice-T was mm-hmm. like the sergeant of arms. So when you went to the radio, you if you weren't paying money to get in there, the money to go in there, you had to get in the line and wait for Ice-T to come to the door to point you out. Right. And if he didn't point you out, you weren't getting in. If he didn't know you, you weren't getting in. Mm-hmm. Especially if you were an MC. Some people that said they were MCs to get into the rap, he would make you bust right there on the spot. Mm. Ice was caught with it like that. Okay. So he was uh, he was uh, a b boy at the time. You actually, once you started going to the radio, what was your involvement at that time? Did you was you rapping? Were you b boying? What were you doing? Yeah, and then how did Ice you were rapping? I wanted to be in the rap game real real heavy, so I was actually I was actually rapping. Mm-hmm. And uh did he gave you the name Kid Frost. What was that moment? How did that come about? It came about from us from from Ice T, Ice Cube, just that whole coldness, chilly chill. Uh, Everybody uh, was cold the cold freezing uh, name. Okay. So, okay. Well, we were, we were in, Ice was in New York um, somewhere. I don't know where he was at a breakdance thing. Mm-hmm. And he said he met a dude. He said he met a dude that reminded him a lot of me named Frosty. Mm-hmm. And he's all, you should be Kid Frost. Mm. And that's how that started. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's just stuck. So you're using it during the the radio and radio trying days. Now all of a sudden there's people getting recording contracts. Uh, the rap game changes just from doing it because you love it for the lame of the game. Yeah. What? How did you start it, uh, getting involved in the commercial end of it uh, and attracted to, yeah. to the recording well, industry? Like I said, after that, there's a good hiatus between all that. Okay. I get in a little bit of I get in a little bit of trouble, so I go. You know, I go to I go sit down for a little while. I do a okay. little. I do a little. I do a little jail stint. Mhm. And I and then I get sent to Angels Camp with the The judge said, "Look, you're a good kid, man. I see this in you. Your parents are good. They got your back 100 percent, man. This 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 street life ain't for you." Wow. I want you to go to the I want you to go to the California Conservation Court of the CCC. Wow. What year What year is this, uh, Kid Frost? What year is this happening? Say that again. What year was this that you go to the California Conservation Court? What year did that happen? That was 1984. Okay, so you, you took a little break. <laughs> But I assume I assume that you still kept in touch with everybody. Yeah, for sure. Hold, Hold on. And then while you, okay, I can't say that again. 
You know yeah, I'm deaf in one ear, man. Oh, that's all right, Kid Frosty. This is your show. Um, we assume that you had, while you taking that little break, you still kept your ears open to what was going on outside as far as the music industry and what was oh, and yeah. as far as, and you see people oh, yeah. starting then, recording contracts that you was out there yeah. hanging with. How did that influence you? What were your thoughts while you was down on what you wanted to do when you got back? Well, the NWA record is killing the streets during that time after that, straight out of Compton. Mm. So okay. that rec- once that record, that record changes my idea of rap immediately. Even wow. though School D, D, even though School D, D had, had done it, even though, you know, had, to me in my eyes, is the first one to really kick raps about gangsterism, like about real Mind gangs. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I want to say yeah. Schooly was the first one. So we had a yeah. couple of Schooly records, but like I said, once once the NWA record came, then I could I could see and I could paint the tapestry of what Cube and them are saying. Mostly Cube, because I know Cube's writing this shit, so okay. I'm in tune with what Cube's doing. But mm-hmm. I'm getting visuals from his lyrics, and that's one of the first times I'm really seeing. I can really visually see what he's huh. saying. You know what I mean? I Especially on the on gangster gang. Here's a little something about a like me. Never should have been let out the penitentiary. Ice Cube would <laughs> like to say that I'm a crazy man from around the way. And it was then it was something that as being in LA and being in uh, a repressed city. I was like, man, finally, like, I, I can close my eyes and see wow. what he's saying, see what right. he's saying. And wow. I never really got that, got that only from one other rapper that, and I'm going to be totally honest with you, even when I say this, and I think he's still one of the most prolific at it, and there was only two records that I really had, and that was BDP's Public in BDP, Public Enemy, and and NWA, but and like I'm saying, the P record didn't even come till after the fact till you know until my you know criminal minded. You know what I mean? You've been blinded, looking for a style like this, and you find it. Like that was wow. like so. I took East Coast rap and then say like actually take the NWA. And I dissect those two records, and I listen to those two records until I know every single word and can scream it and shout it out. And people are turning around in the car, and my uncle and family members are hearing me say the NWA, I'm going to fuck the police. And they're tripping. They're tripping. They're like, oh, hell. You know what I mean? Like, he's, and, he's, and, that, and then that's when, that's, and sad to say, that's when Stepdad jumped up and said, what are you doing? This is this is black repressed oppressed music. You're not gonna you'll never go nowhere doing this. You'll never get anywhere. You're never wow. gonna be nothing in this. You're never gonna go anywhere. And he wow. he shot me down like a stepdad wow. in the military shot me down so fast. Wow. We don't we don't talk yeah. to this day though. We don't even talk. Wow. We don't speak. Wow. That yeah, that must have been something I can imagine, man. Uh, yeah, he didn't understand it. He did not right. understand it. 
Right. And I'm and yeah. I'm and then I'm like, you know, and the next thing and on the other end of it and I'm like and he's seen it, you know, like oh oh, they're in Compton doing this and it, mm-hmm. and he's got the New York, he's got the boogie down Bronx. So it's like my Bronx my boogie down Bronx and my East Coast always been embedded in me because I lived on military bases my whole life. If I hadn't had that background or that real military sense and that real yeah. military background, I know for yeah. a fact that I never or never would have ever, ever got in the rap game. Like, I never would have even, it never would have right. came to me to get down. Okay. Okay. Okay, so now you're out there. You get out. Um you must have really gotten serious. How did how did you end up getting your first recording going? Um, I owe that to Tony G, who produced La Raza, and he produced Mentirosa for Tony G. He did the Cam Whoop Whoop record. Tony and Julio were. Tony heard that I was, I had joined the the CCC and that I was going to become a fireman, and I was really. I was already going to get ready to go to fireman school and really going to take it. I already got picked to go in it, and I get wow. a call from Tony. And at that time, Tony's DJing for MC Young with the Bust a Move record, and right. he gets Tony gets a little lightweight deal with a single deal with Universal, and he puts out that Tony G so good from the mass production of the Firecracker record. Tony G mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that, right. that record comes out, and he meets Maury Alexander, Jerry Heller's business partner. Mm-hmm. And then, so they come out of the they These Jews come out. Both of them are dead, man. Both of these fuckheads are dead, man. I ain't got nothing to say good about them cats. Right, right. Okay. You know what I mean? But, well, I mean, I mean what, I'm still I mean. battling back royalties to get my royalties back from these two clowns, and they're dead right now as we speak. Okay. Well, we're gonna get into the into this because that's what that's one of the reasons I'm doing an interview with you so that yeah. This one reason I'm doing an interview with you so that people can get to learn some of the ins and and the ups and downs. I don't get the money. I get big statements. The money holds. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, okay. Now they basically produce your first record. Uh, those are the producers that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. How did you get about, how did you come up with the concept of La Raza? Where was that born at? Dang. I can't take no credit. I mean, I can take credit for penning it, penning in 15 minutes for the mm-hmm. lateral lyrics for that. But the track, did they cut the track? Did they cut the track? At that time when we were rapping, we were rapping on way faster beats. We were rapping on that right. way more faster hip hop. Right. So when he gave it to me, the first time Tony get, actually gave me that track, I didn't like it. And I was mad, huh. bro. And I was like, man, I ain't going to do it. And he got the, at that time, we were rapping, we were doing our shit off cassettes. So right. Was the song called Eliza? Before you recorded no. or did you guys name nah. it that after you nah, did? I named it. I named it La Raza after. Okay. The song. All right. And, all right. So the song, La Raza. So the song now, Tony has the beat, but he plays. Mallow hasn't done Mentirosa yet. Check this right. out. I ain't got nobody. So I, 
when he plays me both of the tracks before Mallow mm-hmm. gets his deal on Capital First, right. I'm feeling the I'm feeling the Santana track more than I'm feeling the fucking Al Chicano track. Okay. So, so at that time, now Tony plugs us with Maury Alexander. At that time, he's managing three groups while he finished the Egyptian Lover and fucked the Egyptian Lover out of all his publishing and money. With, wow. With Tommy what, what year is this, first of all, man, Kid Frost? What year is this that this goes down like this? What year before you continue? I want to say 80. Now we're all the way up to 85, 86. 85, 86. Okay, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, so Egyptian Lover's Hot. What is the DJ can't rap? What is the DJ can't scratch? They go and they meet us. They they go and they meet us with uh, McCullough Records. We go down to McCullough. They offer me a single deal. I say, mm-hmm. fuck no, I want an album deal. Give me an album want an deal. Album instead of a single deal. They were going to pay you less yeah. to get the single for, and then probably Brian just milk Turner, it. But Brian Turner had priority at that time. He's grooming us, too. He wants a single. He didn't want the okay. whole album. Everybody wants to play right. La Raza. It's like a mm-hmm. no-brainer to them, but they don't believe in any of the <laughs> other shit we're doing. Right. So they're like, so they, I'm, I'm in my head, are like, are they pegging me as a one-hit wonder? Like, don't they realize I wrote this song in 20 minutes just to get Tony out of the way so we can get to the album shit? Wow. Yeah. No one knows that. So, okay. So, so we get ready. Like I said, everybody's got their deal. But Maury meets us. Maury wants to sign us. At that time, he's shopping three albums. He's shopping Booyah Tribe. He's shopping Mellow Man Ace. And he's shopping Kid Rock. Booyah Tribe with their looks and their image and all that shit with their crazy shit is the first one to get their deal. And this is probably going into the 87, 88 now. They get their wow. deal. At that mm-hmm. time, during that whole time, I ain't stopped selling dope. I'm selling the fuck out of anything, <laughs> everything. I'm selling, I'm selling you gotta everything. Live. You got to live, From my brother. To the brown lady, to the, to the white boy, <laughs> everything, bro. I, I got everything. I got dog food. Yeah. I'm selling anything, everything. I got, got both Okay. Account. Okay. We're DJing. We got the crew going. We're blowing up. The streets are loving us. We're gaining momentum everywhere we go. We walk on Whittier Boulevard and 30, 30 pop lockers and breakers and dancers and hoodlums and everyone wow. are following us to go hang out with us. Wow. We got all the chicks. We got everything all in lock. Right. I, he calls me back. I'm in the CCC. I'm, I'm using that as a decoy to get around, but I'm moving so much weight on the side. Wow. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to be a fireman. He's like, man, I got, a, I got a man that wants to meet you. He wants to talk to you about your music. I'm like, man, I ain't rapped in a few, I ain't rapped in a year or something, man. I ain't even done anything. He's all, yeah. man, come to the house and we'll work on a couple things to show him. Okay. And that's how it all started. So when he hands me that, he shows me the barras, and I'm like, fuck, no, that shit's too slow. Mm. Mm. Here to and I'm like, man, Tony, how do you... He throws me the cassette and he goes, get the fuck out of here, Tootie. He don't even call me... He, call me he calls me Tootie because my name Arturo okay. broke down in Spanish and Latino. And Latino, right. Like, your parents call you Tootie. So for Arturo. Right. So they, okay. He goes, get out of here, Tootie. Go home. And I'm like, uh. Tony, so... 
I'm mad too now. He sent me home. I went all the way out there to work in Armani in the studio with his mama to sit. I wanna wrap up some dope ass I wanna wrap up some dope ass fast ass fuck the police. I'm coming back. I was spit bars at everybody. I'm I'm thinking I'm feeling it. And he throws me the cassette and goes, Go home and get out of here and don't come back until you write this song. Wow. So a week goes by. He's got a big party coming. He calls me on Wednesday night. Did you write it? I'm still stubborn and mad. Nope. Fuck that song. <laughs> I'm not writing it. He calls, me on that, he calls me on that Thursday. But I know his show's Friday night, Like, and I want to be in it. It's Florentine right. Gardens. I want to be on stage. I want to rap. Cause every I remember, midnight after I remember Florentine Gardens. I want to Tony. Okay. So we get there. We get up there. And we get we get to the thing, and he's all, "Did you r- come to my house before the club?" And I'm all, and he plays La Raza again, another version of it with some. He's he's actually scratching Led Zeppelin, the Rover, the beat in, wow. in the back. Listen to La Raza, is going do da 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 do do da He's scratching it in the in the on the thing right there, and he goes, "We're gonna do this right. tonight." And I said, uh. fuck, no, we're not. Tony puts that. <laughs> and at that time, I'm rapping off of It's Time. It's Time. It's Time. Everybody want to know the Kid Frost song with a name that wants to laugh it and And I'm, 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 to that shit, I'm killing it. I know, and I'm standing okay. up in the beat point. Of, and then, it, then he's all, man. And he takes me in the back room. And he's standing there getting ready to get dressed. And he's in a bathrobe. And it's fucking in his fucking skivvy, standing there with a big-ass Cuban cigar in his mouth. <laughs> and his Tony G voice, you know, that's why I said, man, you, uh, you're going to do it. That's why he, he starts off the intro. Hey, dude, I'm getting tired of this. He's getting over on the rock. That's why I said Tony because I told Tony, man, you got to be on. You're gonna, if you ain't on the record, I ain't on the record. And that's his, that's his, that's his most famous part on the record, dog, like. Wow, wow, that's a trip. Okay, okay. So then, you got so then you, you, go we're in the back room. We're in the back room. Nobody's back there, just me and him. Mm-hmm. And he's all, man, he's all, you don't feel this record, bro. You don't feel it, man, but this record is going to be big for you. This is going to be mm. a very, very huge record, man. We just got to do it right. We got to do this right. right. But this is you. This is going to be what's going to get you up and over. Okay. And then... At that time, I was talking to this dude, Luis Cupajita, who was a Chicano arts major, and he was schooling mm-hmm. us about Hernan Cortez and Montezuma and Montezuma too, and he's giving us the real history of, of the Nahua and our Aztec history and shit like that. Right. So I'm sitting, sitting down with him, and he's talking to me, and Tony, Tony's thing comes up and he's all and I could just hear him like get out of here you can't do this until you're gonna do this and I just wanted to be in that show that night so it's Friday right. afternoon we're right there sitting back there and that's when it all started Cuba Aki Story MC wow. Kid bro and that's how the rest is <laughs> the rest of the words just came out on paper and if you really wow. listen to that record it's a very unorthodox written record because it's not I didn't even know how to count bars at that time. I didn't even know what bars were at that time. Right. I didn't know what a sixteen <laughs> what a sixteen bar verse was. I just started right. rapping on the song and didn't realize that they took what I wrote and actually for weeks in the studio build the song 
all with live instrumentation and all that shit around that actual record. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay, so the record is recorded. Uh, everybody's got big hopes and dreams. Uh, naturally, when you go in the studio and record a record. The record and, is recorded, uh, mm-hmm. and I got to be quiet about the record for six months. Or La Raza. I had to be quiet mm-hmm. about it. I, Virgin had me under wraps. They weren't going to let it out till the summer of 90. So we we recorded in January, and I'm quiet all the way until the beginning month and then out of the and around April we're starting to really record an album and right. La Raza's, they spent a shitload of money and they're saying we're going to spend $300,000 on a video and I'm all I'm all the hell you are you can give me $300,000 <laughs> I never I didn't, uh. I never had what kind of money like that? I'm like, man, you ain't going right. to... I said, man, I don't understand how this game goes or what you guys are doing. And they're like, Frost, I don't know if you guys un- uh, understand this or not, but you, your record came out and broke in the top 40 of radio already on Billboard. You got to have Billboard a video. Magazine. You're entering Billboard magazine with La Raza at 22 with a bullet. Right. In the Hot 100. Man. man. And that's, that's historic, first of all, because like, let's talk something. You're a Latino rapper or Chicano, whichever term you wanted to use. So for you to break through like that, that was historic. I don't want you to just gloss over that, okay, because you were the first to do that from the West Coast. Kid Frost. Okay. Yeah. What what is what was your feeling though when it came to you with those numbers? Again, re- remembering that you didn't know that much about music bars or anything like that. But when it came and told you, did that mean anything to you that your record was charting? It meant. It meant. I didn't really understand what it was, like I said. So I didn't really. I, now, if you were to put a record on there, and I'm like, whoa, that's that's an accomplishment. But right. at that time, I'm getting nominated for. I got Best New Latin Artist for Billboard Magazine hmm. 1990. So I get an award. They don't. I'm so ghetto and street and grimy that Virgin don't even let me go get my award because they don't know what I'm gonna <laughs> say or do or or if I'm gonna sell wow. half of them people wound when I get in there. You know what I mean? Like, right. They were. They right. took me to a company party. They took me to a company party, and I bought one of my cocaine dealers in there and got everybody in there all fucked up at the at the company <laughs> party. So. They was like kind of. They, they were scared to bring me out, but they didn't know what we would do or if we were traveling with guns and drugs, and we were already. Well, let, okay, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Right. Let me ask you this on that. Do you think that the recording industry simply at that time was not ready? Not just not not so much for a rapper, but for a little Chicano rapper from where you were coming from, where you were a whole new thing to them. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, you got to understand because at that era in time, my brother, all they were really doing was in Latino end of it was that Gloria Stefan or Ricky Martin or, you know what right. I mean? The, pops, the pop people, yeah, the big, big pop stars. So you you were an anomaly in the scene. You were an anomaly. They really didn't know how to handle you. What what? How did you deal with that? I, I, it was really hard for me to be around the fake, fake shit and not say shit about it. And so, 
I didn't really, I didn't really, I want to say my experience in Hollywood with the music shit didn't really go as according to plan because you give a kid $250,000 and then you're bailing him out of jail for drug charges because he took the whole amount of your advance and he flipped it in the streets with dope was kind of something that the record company never seen before. Wow. They, they didn't know how to deal with it. And at that time, yeah. it was Jeff Aroff, the owner of Virgin. So, I mean, there's stories of, of Lori Blackstone and, and Kathy Nelson and them took me out even to Mexico. They took me to Mexico to go do a, a soundtrack with Mario Van Peebles and Christopher Lambert for that gunman movie. And within hours, they're... And now they're getting me out of a Mexican jail for drug charges. Like, you know what I mean? Like, wow. So it wasn't – my experience in the first part of the Hollywood thing was a lot of mishap. And I – could I – did I make a lot of mistakes? And did I fuck my shit off a lot? Absolutely. But okay. did I – but was I real with everybody that I crossed paths with? Absolutely. And that's the reason that there's, there's not a lot of – I'm going to say this part of it. And I was mm-hmm. on Virgin Records, but for being virgins, they sure did a lot of fucking on me. And they, they fucked me out of my shit. They fucked me out of my money and fucked me out of the gang of shit, bro. So that's all I got okay. to say about my experience. I was the only rapper on Virgin Records. Be, the other rapper on Virgin Records besides me, and you're going to laugh, was Redhead Kingpin. After that was <laughs> after that was a, after that was a, that was do the right thing, you know what I mean? Right. I should have listened to him when he. I should have listened to him when I got signed to Virgin. Right. But I tell you well, one thing, Virgin. I tell you one thing. I after that, so now we go to ninety. We go in there. Now they're taking us serious, man. We sold fucking. We sell half a million records, and they start listening to your shit. Okay. But, so let, let, let's clarify that. Was that Larazza that sold a half a million? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. But so now, La now, Raza's now. Way over, La Raza's way over a million sales now. But okay. I mean, at that time of that era in the 90s, and at that time, you got to remember, rap wasn't so oversaturated. There wasn't a, a clusterfuck of rap and bullshit out like right. there is now. So right. my record, my record actually had a three month at number one at Power One Hundred Six for almost three months straight. I also put wow. record out, wow. and there was no record that even in the top the top eight at eight, we took La Raza took number one for like two months straight. Wow. After that, my okay. street, after that, my, I just formed a master street team and it really just harnessed and all the girls of that that promoted me that I didn't. I mean, let's say it real, like that I didn't run through, you know what I mean, or right. take take right. out the tent. That I didn't put right. out the Daisy Duke short. Actually, I used them actually yesterday. Other than that, man, I was, man, we were taking them down three or four at a time. You know what I mean? I didn't I didn't know about this lifestyle. Okay, so now now you 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 sold a half a million copies or more of a record. You're learning about the business. You're learning a little more about the terminology and. Were you becoming aware of how unique your place was uh, in the music industry at that time, or were things moving so fast no, you were just no because no because Mallow's got his Mentirosa record and people start putting us together in all the shows and uh-huh. I start I immediately with my vision and everything that I see and I pervade for the future shit and I got a good sense of perception. 
I start mm-hmm. seeing me and Mellow as the Lewis and Clark of this fucking Chicano rap game immediately. There you go. There you go. I hear you. Okay. And so then you start, you start seeing the alliance with us in Cypress Hill and Booyah and all that, and I start pulling those guys and doing songs with them, with MCA, with, with mm-hmm. everybody that I feel on the West Coast that's making moves and making, making noise. And okay. I actually I actually get in conjuntos with these cats and start working with them and start doing shit with them as well. Mm. And still, at that time then, shit changed from drugs to guns to fucking high-powered guns, and we're already rolling <laughs> around, and I'm, I'm supplying and selling guns to everybody from Snoop Doggy Dog on down. You can get these wow. guys on any interview, on anything on the first part of the hip-hop shit of anything like that, you can go interview any of them from the dog pound to Snoop on down and ask them. During that time in there, the streets of L.A. were a little tough and a little rough. There was a little rapper out there that was an arms dealer that was bringing you guys guns and weapons and shit like that. And they would, they You're would, hearing this first on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop, Hip Hop from Kid Frost. Go ahead, you're dropping bombs, brother. You're dropping bombs, <laughs> Okay, so on the side you're hustling, which is nothing wrong with, and you're making money. Now, your recording career starts off. I have to say, good. I have a million sales out the box. Where did that take you from there? What 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 else happened besides? What you were explaining, you were, were you guys getting ready to go into? Oh studio man, I got a big ass. I got a big ass heart. I got a big ass heart, and I and I ain't afraid to fucking help, and ain't afraid to bring other people along. And sad to say, that's was the beginning of the demise part of it of us falling mm-hmm. off a little bit. Wow, they're playing my record in here right now, man. Wow. They're playing wow. La Raza in the club right now. They're playing at La Cala. <laughs> respect, OG. They show the respect, OG. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens now? Hey, why are you, you playing my you, record, you, man? <laughs> <laughs> you got a DJ in there? You got a DJ in there? I got to get my rights in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so where does La Raza take you from that that point out? It's on the air. From that uh, point out, to... after we win mm-hmm. Best New Artist Billboard magazine, I go on a mm-hmm. European world tour. I go out to Italy, Rome, Paris, France, Greece, mm-hmm. and I start traveling the world again like I did when I was a kid with my parents, only wow. I don't have no room. Wow. Okay. I know. Okay. He's dead and what, everything. What is the, what is the reception to you? I want to have a meeting with you guys after this. What? Yo, yo, say that again. What was the, yeah. the, the reception to you overseas? Oh, my God, God dog. We played the festival that moved the guy in Rent, bro. I did the last show. We were out there with, at that time, though, you got to understand, before this rap career, and some part that I skipped was that I made alliances and friends and studios that I had gone in there. One of my good friends that I had made during that time was Joe Harris, the original singer of The Undisputed Truth that sang Smiling Faces. Smiling Faces. At Studio One, they recorded 28 albums. At Studio One, out there, he becomes my mentor with Trey Stone, and they have a studio. That's where that's where Two Life Crew had first recorded Revelations, out in wow. Riverside, California. Way okay, before they were from, they were from Riverside. A, yeah, yeah, they were originally from Riverside. 
Yeah, okay. so we got so we're out there in Riverside at Studio One. Trey owns the studio. He's the he's the original he's the original keyboard player for Bootsy and fucking George. Parliament for okay. Fidelic. You know, he's understood right. the truth. This motherfucker's real. Okay. They gotta get marijuana from somebody too. You know what I mean? They all smoke. <laughs> I because you always keep an eye open for that other dollar, that extra dollar that you can scoop up. I, I buy you, Kid Frost. But go ahead. This is after La Raza. You're touring Europe? Yes. And uh, I think you're getting big receptions over We end up in Amsterdam with George Clinton, mm-hmm. Trace, and from Amsterdam is our base. base. You're in Amsterdam, yeah. of all places, with George Clinton. That must have been wild. <laughs> this for the rasa. They're playing my record, man. I can't believe it. They're <laughs> saying, how you can sit back. Come on. No, right? You're going to call me back. It's Doug. Yeah? Hey, Doug, hey, you going to have to do what, Doug? You're listening to Kid Frost telling us all about the adventures of Kid Frost on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop in R&B. Man, I'm trying to find a plug to plug this in, man. I got 11% on my phone, and it's dying faster than Trump's, Trump's president. Yo, yo. Okay, cool, cool. You got a plug? Not yet, but let's keep going. They're working okay. on it. Okay, let's capture as many words as we can. You were in Amsterdam. You end up in Amsterdam. Yeah. So I'm in Amsterdam, Holland. I'm, in, I'm out there with Trey Stone and them. I get picked mm-hmm. to go do the... The, I, we get to go to the festival in Michigan and run France. No. Parking out there right there? No. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we go and we rock this concert band out there. And from that show, they ask us to go to Paris, France. We go out to Paris, and my show sells out within one hour, bro, in the stadium. Man, wow. We go out there, and that's when I knew, like, Bro, this is very, very serious. And then Maury, <laughs> this is how I, this was so fucked up. Maury flies out there, and he uh-huh. takes all the money, deposit money that we got, talking about, let me take this with you guys. You guys traveling with this kind of money without a management? No, I didn't know none of that shit, dog. I gave wow. I didn't know none of this shit, bro. I was a kid. Wow. And then, and then, so, so then. Uh, that show goes off without a hit. We get out on tour and we get back to the United States, and they're already. And I have to immediately go in the studio, and they're telling me that Edward James almost wants to see me. Wow, oh, Edward James almost the film guy, like Edward James almost. And yeah. so I go to you. He was big. He was big at that time. So he was big at that time. What? Yeah, he was big at that time. Yeah, he was big at that time. So then uh-huh. he, he took me into Universal, and he tells me, I need your help. And I'm like, man, you're Edward James almost. I don't see me doing anything. <laughs> he's all, I got this. He goes, I got a movie I'm working on right now. And he's uh-huh. all, and they didn't have no music on it, no dailies on it or nothing. We're just watching clips on a big, in a big movie theater, though. We're right, watching it. Right. With no sound, and he, he's like he's he's running clips, and it's the first glimpses that I see of American Me, the prison movie. Wow! And wow. he's telling me, he's telling me, 
I need you to write the title track. When the movie ends, they're going to kill me, and I'm going to fall off the tier of this, this platform, and I need you to come in. And I'm like, I already got a song for this movie. And he's all, what do you mean? And I said, because he's like, I got an idea for you. And he wanted me to rap on the Animals track, Don't Let Me Be Miss. I'm just a soul. It, it, it's actually in the movie. Oh, Lord, right. please don't let me be misunderstood. Right, right. Wanted. He wanted me to flip that for the movie. And then I was wow. like, God, I got, a, I got a movie I wrote about one of my homies that went to jail called No Sunshine. It's with Bill mm -hmm. Withers. And he's all, so I'm all, I'm watching the clips in the dailies, and he's all, and, I, and I'm all, time slips through the hourglass. There's no beats or nothing, and he's he starts listening and listening and listening through night and day, and I watch the games people, like, do on the other things. So I start, I start showing him, like, no sunshine, you know what I mean? Right, and right. He, and he's right there. He's right there, and he's like, that's it. And then he's all, what else you got? So I end up bringing the whole soundtrack of the movie American Dream <laughs> to Virgin Records with Aaron. And we actually wow. did No Sunshine as the first title track of the, of the album. Right. You know what I mean? So wow. It wasn't, even no, it wasn't even no qualm, no question for us to even get that record, for him to even, it was just like a gimme, and then... That song ended up blowing the fuck up in the street, bro. And so they don't have the follow-up for the album stuff to actually record this shit, and they're frantically having me go in the studio now to record an album around No Sunshine, and that's right. when I put the East, that's when I put East Side Story together. Man, this is incredible. Kid Frost on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. Now, so here you go. You got another hit record. And I assume that everything else in your life is still as chaotic as ever around you. But you got another hit record. So what, what happens from here? Yeah. So, so then it starts up all again. This time, mm -hmm. this time Japan wants in on the action. So the album comes out and drops. I don't have a whole big album yet, but the name is right. starting to really, the name is starting to gain momentum. It's starting to get bigger than me. And that's right. when, and that's when ailments of the, of the fifth at B. People are having too much fun around me. Okay, Frost, Frost, I got to ask you this, too, because I got to keep bringing you back to this because that's the reason you're on this show. You get in, you got a number hit record now that's, that was going up. Are you aware all of this time now that the, the, the important place that you had in hip-hop because you're a Chicano doing all of these things at that moment, no, and you were the no. only one, were you, were you fully aware? That, did you appreciate that at that time? No, I did not. And okay. I always okay. felt, and still to this day, I've always felt like I'm hip hop's minority, bro. I've never really felt like, even even in the like, and we'll say it this realm in the black community of black rappers, right? Even even in that era, your fucking MC Hammers and Kwame's were getting right. supported by the black urban communities. 
But in right. our Latin community with hatred, jealousy, we got some fucked up shit. It's like the can of worms effect, man. When one of us start coming up, all the, they open right. up the can of worms and everybody's pulling the worms down to see who's going to get out of the, the can first. Right, right, right. There's no, there's no pecking order. There's no nothing. And then next thing you know, you got a million motherfuckers copying my shit. And just because they're in front of a low rider, ball headed, with that image and that marketing, then it just became right. a big old fuck of a bunch of shit. So I never really felt. The only time I really felt different than was when I was accepted by the black urban community and the rappers more than these other rappers because they go back to it, it matters right. skill. You got to have a little bit of skill and a little bit of rhyme flow before you can come out and say you can actually fluctuate in our market like this. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I that. So, so nah, I never really knew my place until it took a long time and, and still barely to this day right now. Like I really, the accolades and the, the shit that I get from what I've done in the music is nothing that I even care. Like it's not really important for me to have that because I know as a man what I've done and I know in my right. heart, like, to a certain core amount of people, like when you got Wu-Tang Clan and people like that that are saying, who do you think of Chicano rap is? Oh, that was Kid Frost. Or, you know, Nori saying it and people like that right. on their, on their you know, good podcasts and the different podcasts and my name pops up and they give us credit for, for the accolades that we actually did in the, in, in, actually in the streets and shit like that. Then mm-hmm. I feel good and... I don't pat myself on the back, but I, I go back and I smile and I say, you know what, man, I'm acknowledging these people actually know that I I actually did something. Like, just from that, from 1990 when we got, when I came out and got picked best new Latin artist, best new video right. for La Ranca and all that, that means something right. to me. That means, that means more to me than any of the stuff from it or, or seeing my kids stand back and seeing my kids proud of me from the right. music that we made and other kids telling them, hey, your dad was a good, back in the days, your dad was famous and popular. And stuff like that. And <laughs> your dad is a legend. My kids don't know that. <laughs> my kids don't see that and know that because they know me as dad in the years of past since those, right. that era of right. time. So it's like, so when they hear it, they're like, wait a minute, who was my dad? Who was my dad? You know what I mean? And huh. I, don't right. think, I don't think some of them will really go back and see none of that until after the fact that they got the dust still settles of West Coast hip-hop and they see the real true pioneers and forefathers of the cats that really came out and started to really be markers and the Lewis and Clarks and the groundwork and the, the pioneers and the, the generals and the forefathers of it. Okay. Now, so let me ask you. you you got another hit record out. Let's continue because obviously there has to be continuation of the story of Kid Frost from that point on. you got your second big record. You're touring. Japan comes in. And what happened? Well, after that, I mean, the hate in the streets begins. People mm-hmm. are talking all kinds of crazy shit. And everybody, everybody that wants to do it, is out taking pop shots because they see us not in because at, at that now after it, it's it's Chicano raps and their gangs coming together and making things and I didn't really have a big street gang behind me and all that shit so I actually right. stay in my lane as an artist. Mm-hmm. I'm not being mm-hmm. the gangs and the street gangs to get behind me of course 
I'm on all the low-level tours. I'm on all the things. I'm out there working, hustling. I'm getting on features. I ended right. up mask up 200, almost 300 records, 290 titles uh, of songs and stuff that I'm on and features I'm on. So my catalog is extensive. We work, and what, what you can see, there's music that you guys right now are going to Google after this fact to go look in the archives of Kid Frost after you hear this mm. interview with Big in Worldwide Hip Hop, and you're going to go and you're going to Google my shit, go to Pandora, go, and go to my station, Kid Frost, and you're going to hear all kinds of new music that you haven't even heard from us yet. You feel uh, me? Wow. Okay. I'm at, well, I'm at 3%, man. Uh-oh. Okay, well, well let's, let's do this. Let's do this, Ross. Let's, let's do this. Uh, tell us what you're working on now before the phone dies. If it dies, then we'll come back and we'll, we'll re-edit. But tell us what your present projects are now and where people can go to find, where they can go to find your music on the Internet to purchase. Right now, man, you can go to Pandora, man, on our station. You can find me at OG Kid Frost 1, Instagram, man, OG Kid Frost 1, Gmail, man, and you can find us working, man. On, we're working on all kinds of projects, man. I'm working in the... I'm very prevalent right now, man, with a cannabis company called LA Oil right now. That's my 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 little company that I'm developing and pushing off the ground. Uh California goes recreational with marijuana in about a, in about a couple of weeks. And um February And you're on Facebook, right? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm and you're on Facebook I'm a, I'm a, and Instagram. I don't really do the I don't really do the Facebook shit too much, man. I, I do okay. I'm really on I I'm really on my I G man, so if you really want to get at me, DM me, OG, OG Kid Frost, numerical one, OG Kid Frost one. Man, and reach out, man. I you got it. You got it. I got it. Man, I, I've been on an hour and 20 minutes and 39 seconds, man, and my phone's going to die, man. I'm 1%. But if I fall well, out, man. Well, let me say this. Let me say this to you before your phone dies. Let me say this to you, and we're going to wrap it up. We want to thank you for your contribution to hip-hop, my brother. We want to thank you for everything you've done for the music business. We want you to know that you're respected and honored by the hip-hop community and by people worldwide. And I personally want to thank you for uh, agreeing to do this show. Okay? We wish you the best. We wish you and your family. Big Daddy, I still got a lot to say, man. We can go another three hours on this shit, man. Oh, it's all right. That's all right. You know what? We'll do a part two interview. How's that? Later on this year, okay? We can, we can catch up on your current projects, man. Yeah, we were barely getting to the part where I got sick with cancer and got knocked down and all that and came back to life, bro. So, man, stay tuned, man, and I'm coming back. It's the OG, man, OG Kid Frost, East Los Angeles, California, man. We love you. Big Daddy V, man, worldwide world of hip-hop, baby. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Kid Frost on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop, and we will be coming back to do a part two. We wish him the best of health and the best of success in all of his projects. We're out, you guys. Peace! So wasn't it a great show? Come back next week, every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop Show. Man, it's a great one. Epic, epic. See you next week. Bye.